0: You are now listening to Out of the Blank.
1: Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Derry O'Byrne. Hey, hey, hey. so are you feeling the burn, Danny? <laughs> D- dairy you mean dairy, yeah, like the yes. like the yogurt,
0: yeah- yeah, just felt differently yeah my my buddies uh used to call me dairy product,
1: <laughs> why do so, they call you did you have did you have a story behind that one
0: well, i no, I think it was just I have other nicknames with other stories, but I think that one was just because dairy. You know, I, when people meet me there, it's either Larry, Jerry, Perry, Gary, Terry, you know, and if it's, you know, if it's noisy, I can never, it seems like I can never get them to get my name. So You
1: got you to gotta tell them it's dairy, damn it.
0: Yeah. And, and they would go, oh, like dairy products. And oh, I, and they I was, do exactly
1: you know. what I did. Perfect.
0: <laughs> so, well, tell uh, me,
1: tell me a little bit about yourself and what do you do professionally, dairy?
0: Well, I am. Uh, I'm a. <clears throat> I, it, you know, that's a big question for me because sometimes uh, I, I've done a lot, and, and I'm and I'm always hesitant to kind of peg myself into one box or trade or activity. Uh, but I, I mean, basically, mostly what I've done over the last quite a while is, is I'm a contractor I'm a builder renovator I I guess I specialize in renovations
1: yeah how did you get started into um uh just working in contracting in general is this something that you just kind of fell into
0: well no I have to give that up to, to my dad and my stepdad uh, they they were both incredibly talented uh uh go-getters and and my dad you know, I, I pretty much had a trowel in my hand at like five, six years old. And, um, you know, when, when I was young, my family moved to uh, a commune. Uh, it was kind of like a hippie farm commune preschool in, in southern Ontario. And uh, that's, I guess that's where a lot of my... Uh, variety of creativity came from because when I was six years old that's where we moved and
1: yeah it seems like your your passion for woodworking in general like it seems like I know you do a lot of woodworking on the side, but they're not they're not normal skills you come across they're not something that an average kid today picks up, so that that makes sense where your parents took you and from to it from one place and moved you to another, kind of influencing you with a little bit more of i guess a hobby in general, just being more hands on
0: yes, yes uh both my parents uh my dad and my mom are incredibly talented artists there so i i think i've you know i I've, I've inherited uh the kind of the artistic way uh which has downsides too i was thinking about that how you know being incredibly creative is is an amazing uh you know, journey. It's it's kind of like it gives you all kinds of advantages from what you can do to how you feel and everything else. But it also um, it has its downsides. Like, um, you know, maybe we feel a little more, or we get too focused on something, and lots of other parts of our life, all you know, so goes by the wayside because we're so into creating. And um, but yeah, I owe a lot to my parents, and you know, as I was thinking about it, uh, but. I just never. I never went to school past grade twelve, and and actually I was on my own since I was sixteen. I, I, you know, my family fell apart, and both my parents hooked up with other people, and and uh, you know we we moved to a commune when I was six years old, and there was like fifty people living there on a hundred and sixty acre farm, and there was a wood shop and a mechanic shop and a bakery, and you know there was farm, you know there was animals and uh you know, as, as kids, we had the free free run of the place and it was it was amazing in a lot of ways. But there was a lot of downside too.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's a little bit of an isolation factor too. You, you do become a little bit more trusting, especially when you're around 50 people all the time. It seems like you think everybody's going to be just like these people and you find out that the world's a little bit more different once you go out into it.
0: Yeah, yes. and And I guess it was basically... I was there from when I was six till I was fourteen, and there was fifty people when I moved there. But at the end, it was just me and my mom and my stepdad. Oh. And and it went like it fizzled out. It was the sixties fizzling out into the seventies, and uh, you know, our family fell apart. And I, and we we basically the whole the whole theme there was if it feels good, do it. Uh, which, you know, it, it, that has
1: uh. That's a bad memo when people start doing three ways
0: yes yes I mean it's it's kind of like you know freedom is great but it can go awry and uh you know it did for it went awry for a lot of people but anyways uh my dad moved out west to DC and and uh we slowly went out there and my mom went up north to near you know up in northern Ontario and uh I went out to BC and and uh and by the time I was 16, I felt I was on my own. I kind of got adopted by another family, kind of, you know, managed to finish high school on my own. And and then uh, I just wanted to learn about everything. And uh, I I went tree planting. Uh, I did 13 seasons of tree planting, which was amazing, uh, which kind of connected me with nature and, and you know, it's a big part of my love for woodworking is is, is uh, you know being a part of the industry from the from the seedling to the to the kiln to the wood shop you know
1: Yeah. So with the passion for woodworking though, like what types of things do you like to create with wood? It seems like everybody's got their own, least style of it. A lot of people do carvings, the more simple modern day stuff, but you seem to go a different route. You seem to go the more sophisticated route, creating these types of works that look very, very complicated. I was wondering if you could enlighten me. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. I I tend to stray away from that, but I guess Uh, About a year to a year and a half ago, I discovered resin. I I discovered epoxy and uh, resin. Um, There's acrylic too, which is not resin, but it's it's, a sorry, it's not epoxy, but it's a resin. Um, But just the use of resin has it kind of, uh, it kind of um, was like a, a huge door opening to being able to use wood in a, in a unique way to to kind of display more of its natural features because um, although I've taken it so it looks unnatural, but just, you know, I really love building furniture and stuff. And then when you build something that, you know, architecturally uh, within a bound, whether you're making tables or, you know, cabinets or hutches, you're taking wood in its dimensional form and, you know, designing and creating a functional piece of uh, of furniture that can be very artistic, but the resin brought a way to create something that's dimensionally, you know, shaped by your ideas and everything, but you could see into it and see the live edge of the wood, you might say. And then it, with me, I just love learning, and that has taken me through. That's why I like construction so much, just because there was so much to learn. But with woodworking, um, just the whole discovery of of uh, of creating these pieces that I'm doing now is is they're all different, and and just the surprise when you take something out of the mold and you you look at some of these materials that you've mixed in there and it's just like wow look at this because you know i'm extremely visual i just everything i like um you know when when i look at things things you're looking for symmetry and balance and
1: well a lot you know, of your a lot of your work literally um kind of correlates a lot to what you would see in nature as well I mean, mm-hmm. how many times you go to a store or something and you literally, you see a, 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 a regular table, something that's out and just average, not out of the normal. But when you look at like some of the works that you've done as well too, you got stuff that looks literally like a river is into the table. Something that you would see at, you know, a very high price store or something. But when you truly look at it, it seems like I literally was with you on that walk when you were in nature and came across that river. It looked like you implemented that. And you'd like to take a picture of it and put it into the
0: work yes well that's it that's a very uh a very generous way of describing it because um you know i think some people feel very overwhelmed by it like it's it's like even the the way it's made is so far from them that they you know they just kind of admire from afar but um yeah I just I get these ideas that that i they, they get in my head and I, I it's like i I don't stop until I can get that idea out and and you know I have some more ideas that are really um, you know swirling around in there, and I can't wait to get them going so but i I've literally been able to explore some of these things that I'm doing recently because I've stepped back from construction and more into shop work and and, and even more into just creative uh just making stuff stuff as I go like uh, you know it's not uh you know I don't set out to make a certain thing I'm just I'm creating as I go, just letting it go where it wants.
1: You know. Would, would you say what helps out your overall process of where you can get these thoughts and ideas kind of your little drive for creativity comes from po- possibly maybe taking a stroll out in the nature. It seems like for a guy that was yeah. r- wrapped up and kind of developed in it at a young age, you know, like for me, I'm, I'm, a, I, used to camp all the time and i find that a lot of where i can get my creativity like with like a notebook with some writing or something all i have to do is like just walk outside sit on the porch and just hear the trees sway and i start getting these ideas these thoughts these images in my mind much like any artist or create person with creativity where they need it at most you know it's like a comfort zone
0: Mm -hmm. yes i it's kind of my way of recharging is by either going to or on the water or into the forest, uh, into the bush, uh, you know, being in in the bush and and um, just kind of being present in nature is. I think everybody should experience that. On it should be prescribed as as medicine, really, <laughs> to connect with nature. I mean, so many people are so disconnected with nature, it's 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 unreal. But what I do sometimes is I'll go. <clears throat> to the lake i don't live by the ocean anymore which is kind of a heartbreak for me but i'll go to lake ontario and experience just the uh, being present there at the water and hearing the, you know the, the, the waves or or walking you know along the beach with the rocks because much of the stuff i bring into my work so some of those tables that you saw I, those rocks are from lake ontario i i, I picked them off the beach there you know while i'm you know, uh, recharging and, and stuff. So a lot of what I, what my inspiration comes from the from the pieces that I have, like the materials, I'll just pick up a burl and look at it and be amazed by it. And then as I'm looking at it, I go, well, I'm gonna try and cut it there. And many times I can't bring myself to actually cutting the piece. I have pieces of wood that I've literally had for over 20 years because I can't cut them because they're so amazing how often but, do you come across something in nature that you want
1: to incorporate into one of your works like i feel like you're you're walking through nature you get this like you're seeing leaves you're seeing so many things and branches and all these things that are like that would go good on a fucking table oh yeah
0: all, all the time like there's i'll literally be at work and i'll look at so-and-so's tree in the backyard and it'll have some big beautiful burl on it and and it's it's out of bounds you know and then i just think oh i can't wait to get back in the shop but I, Freaking, I have your lots.
1: neighbors like Gary, get the fuck away from my trees. You're like "I it's it's so beautiful. Can I just borrow it? I'm gonna put it into a table.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well I, I actually have a burrow growing in my backyard. There's there's uh in, in my yard, there's these trees that grow here. It's called the Manitoba maple. You may have heard of it. And they grow like weeds here, and it's a it's a fairly soft wood. It's not good for anything. Um now I, I know there's a big push for the green scene so everyone is is taking a different approach at trees but sometimes they're a nuisance they're danger whatever you have to cut them down so this particular one in my backyard had to go because of the power lines but I said leave half of it there so the burl down at the base there's a giant burl growing half underground half above ground and it's growing there so I'm 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 cultivating a big burl in my backyard Would you
1: you say that, like, with, like, uh, certain things, like, just, like, I know some people that do woodworking and do kind of wood art in general, they find a lot of their materials just out and about, like, junks, pieces of, like, trash and stuff. Like, you have a tree growing in your backyard, you have to cut down. You're seeing that as more of a material or something you can use to create one of your works rather than just, just disposing it.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. And actually, I have to admit, I'm a bit of a hoarder. So I, I hoard wood. I have stacks of wood around my place that are some are starting to go rotten and
1: ah, you're uh, the guy we they, call if there's a bonfire.
0: I got you. <laughs> yeah, but but there you have to understand that a lot of what I do uh with these this kind of a new um process I'm doing with these cubes and, and jewelry and stuff, the wood has to be very dry. It has to be uh, you can't just use something that's green. Like even slabs for tables, when you cut, like say a beautiful walnut uh, tree, uh, it's you have to. The best way is to let it air dry for a couple of years. And it, it brings out the best color in it, and it's it's better for stabilizing it. And then you need to kiln dry it, which is a process that removes all the moisture and gets it so that you can make a table out of it. And when you bring it inside, it's not going to warp, twist, and crack. So there is. A, a kind of a, a, a careful process that you need to go through
1: what would you say is one of the most memorable things that you've created whether it was like your hardest project or one of the ones that seemed like you put so much effort into it and everything went wrong
0: <laughs> well one comes to mind right away is that there's a restaurant down uh here in town where i live and and there was um one of the contractors that i worked with at the he was he it was his job to renovate this portion of the mall into a restaurant and he asked if I would help put this giant tree trunk in the restaurant with logs coming off it with lights coming off the logs for the booths and everything so we went to a friend's property close to here and we dragged this huge cedar tree out of the bush it was dead and we we uh we brought it on site and we we stood it up in there and 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 put all these cedar rails off of it coming out and uh, the lights didn't work, so they put tequila bottles hanging from them actually, huh. <laughs> for some of them. But it was a, a, a an amazing huge stump that we put in the restaurant. And as far as it going wrong was, the restaurant didn't last and it got taken out and it's gone. So. Mm. it was a bit disappointing to have that you know uh gone but um yeah it's <clears throat> it's it's been uh it's been an interesting journey um
1: well, with, with all the work that you're doing as well, like what's one of the hardest things that you probably face? I mean, I, I used to have a wood shop teacher that only had three fingers. So it seems like when you're working yeah. with wood cutting or you're doing any type of things, have you had any major injuries or any kind of stories? Like I know so many people that give up on something and then never get back to it just because the amount of difficulty it was, but it seems like if you take that time to go back to it and be able to fix it, you really come across something that you're really, really happy with.
0: Yeah, no, I've been I've been blessed with uh, no major injuries. I've been working with my shop tools. I, I have like a full shop with table saw, drill press, lathe, you know, planers, jointers, and uh, it's a matter of learning. I think the hands-on learning. Um, is is the way that I've learned and when if you do go to school, they teach you safety and everything, but ninety percent hands-on, ten percent textbook. So
1: and, al- and also kind of like when you have a slip up happen, let's say if you cut a table a little too much, you just work with it as well, not really giving up on it in general.
0: Yeah, there you know, that's tough because there are some artistic license you might say that you have with a piece, but if you're making a piece for a customer, And it's supposed to be, you know, this long and this wide and you screw up. I mean, it can be costly and that's, that's happened to me before, but, um, I made a really beautiful dining table, walnut dining table, which you could see on my Instagram feed there, but it's, uh, I still have to make benches and corner tables for them. They're still waiting. Uh, but yeah, like the table saw, I've seen some bad accidents. And I've had friends that have had like stuff on the lathe blow up in their face and it looks they got two black eyes and a broken nose and uh, you know and another friend of mine he you know it looks like his hand was uh, mangled but I've you know thankfully I, I'm not a fan of the saw stop I'm not sure if you're familiar with that saw. It's it has a, a a feature where the blade will stop instantly if your finger touches it. Yeah uh but i'm not a fan of all the gadgets and the things i'm old school and i i like to you know to hold the wood steady and see everything and i i just have like a like a, a healthy respect for the tools which you know if anything. It, the words of my
1: grandfather he said that hey if um you know you got cut by something it's probably because you weren't doing something right so
0: yeah no I, and it, yeah it's experience right
1: yeah. Well, it's a lot of it's hands-on learning too. I mean, like if you look at a lot of the stuff that you've created, it seems like the easiest stuff probably um, in at least in your opinion, I kind of want to get is it seems like the pendants that are probably really popular stuff people can wear around their neck, you know, is a little bit different than um, having a table in somebody's house. You can't just walk around with, with a table I and mean, you don't want to be labeled as that guy. But when it comes to creating the jewelry it's probably your quicker ones, you're the little more, um, it's still a lot of work, but it's a little bit quicker in commissions and being able to create them rather than, like, I'm interested, what is the process of your design of these cubes? I mean, first of all, one of these cubes for people that are listening, they look like the fucking thing from Avengers where that, the Tesla rack, whatever <laughs> it's called, you know what Tesseract. I'm talking about?
0: Tesseract, yes. Yeah. I, I learned about that. Someone says that's a Tesseract, so I had to go and find out what a Tesseract is. It's a, yeah it's something out yeah.
1: of odin's well, book or something
0: yeah yeah well you've got to see them in person man they're just it's hard to show on camera like that's why i do videos because it's really hard to show on camera but also i don't like to put filters on my stuff because it it's not like a true representation you know especially if someone's looking to acquire it you want to be true to your work right but um yeah it's it, there's a pro there's a there's a fairly lengthy process to doing this, and I I take burl wood, which my favorite is uh, big leaf maple from the West Coast, and it's I, I stabilize it, uh, which means you've got to soak it. You've got to put it in a vacuum chamber with cactus juice, and the vacuum chamber, it sucks all the air out of the wood, out of the liquid. Leave it in there as long as you can. I mean, uh, an hour is fine. And I don't know if you want to hear this whole process. But I yeah, I, do, I, do, I definitely that. do. Okay. Dude, you have a cube and then,
1: that literally looks like it has the northern lights inside of it. You bet your ass I want to hear the process yes. behind it.
0: Well, and, and the thing is, is so that I've got to be careful because I have something unique and I'm, I'm looking to kind of rely more on this stuff to make a living than, you know, fixing drywall behind toilets and stuff. So I mean, <laughs> funny way of putting it, but anyway... I, I, I do kind of guard my, my process a little bit because if something is unique, it's it's cool and everything. But if everyone knows how to do it, then it's not unique and cool anymore. Yeah, well, that you got sense. your own
1: style to it too. You don't have to give all yeah. the, the tips well, out. Sure. So I'm just wanting to back way. to
0: the process. Um, then you take that wood and you cook it in an oven at, at, at like 250 degrees for for a period of time. And it crystallizes the cactus juice, and it makes it so the wood is extremely hard and stable. Because this, what you're doing is you're you're joining wood to resin, and and the wood wants to move and, and expand and contract with humidity, and you know it's like a breathing living entity, and you're trying to make it solid so that it stays connected to the resin and doesn't. And also, moisture is the enemy of resin. You don't want moisture with resin, so. Then once you get that block, uh, you can work work with it next. And I have a a series of things that I do to it, so I have like a color on the on the burl. I won't tell you exactly how I do it, but I I mean there's lots of things people can do. They paint it or or you know um, dip it or zap it or whatever. But uh, then once I get this burl with a certain color, then I'll I used to do these custom forms out of just corrugated plastic and, and silicone and tape. And I would make the form whatever size I want, uh, which is like a do it yourself. Or, or you, now I've got these HDCEs, these uh, uh, it's like, um, what's it? Teflon, these molds, they're quite expensive, but that way you can use them over again and, and the resin doesn't stick to them. And But anyways, then you put this piece in your mold and you mix the resin and uh, it's very uh, careful. You have to be very careful when you mix because it's got to be well mixed. It's got to be homogenous. It's got to be the right temperature. You've got to have the exact, uh, you know, ratio two to one of hardener to resin. Um, you know, all these things you have to be very meticulous with. And then you you pour the you pour the stuff in the mold with the wood, and there's some other things that I do that, uh, um, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant to share exactly how I do it. But I add, I add things. Just right? when you start yeah. explaining this process,
1: it's already pretty ta- already pretty tasking. I'm like these probably don't take you it's, these probably take you like weeks on end to be able to complete a project depending on the size of it.
0: part of it is is that if the the wood is not, like, it's got to be dry. So, sure, it can take a long time for it to be dry, but you can get, you can acquire a piece of wood that's already dry, and then stabilizing it can take, you know, a day, right? And then the next stage, what I'm talking about is you you put it in a pressure pot, which is a, a, it's the opposite of a vacuum chamber. So you put it in this pressure pot, and what it does is it, it, It pressurizes the resin as it's curing so that there's no bubbles. Because uh, if you didn't put it in there, you get lots of bubbles. And, you know, bubbles are cool. They look cool sometimes. But uh, having a bubble-free casting, there's something about being able to look through it and not see anything in there is, is amazing other than stuff you add
1: when um it kind of comes into your work in general though i think a lot of what makes it so beautiful too is not only the intricate design but being able to look like you're crafting out a perfect image inside of your work as well i mean a lot of people nowadays don't pay too much attention to detail but you really stop and kind of focus and start to know more details when you look at one of your works as well i think that is one of the most important things about art in general people We buy things um, just on the luxury or the look of it, but we never look at the fine detail inside of it. We just look at the basic colors and the things that will catch someone's attention. But when you truly start analyzing, whether it's a work of art, such as a painting, or whether it's even a structure or something that you created with your hands, a knife, or maybe even a table, when you start looking down finer at the detail, you start to notice a lot more and have, first of all, a little bit more I guess of a story painted into your head that really constitutes how hard an artist worked.
0: Absolutely. Like I, I couldn't agree more and, and there there's sometimes I, I get an idea and I want to put it into existence and but but it's not always easy and I try and I try and then I finally like there's one where I put a, a glowing pyramid in there with a with a copper wire tree, right? And it didn't quite turn out how I wanted it to, but I did actually, eventually, I was able to create it. And, and uh, you know, although it wasn't like I had hoped, but it was still, like you say, a plan. And and there's details in there that, that I did think about before I set out to make it. But a lot of these are are just trial and error. And I'm saying I have some that have failed that... There's one that I've got to publish. It's like, I've got to show it eventually. I've got to finish it. But it's one of my first ones using acrylic. It was a giant seven inch cube with a, I bought like a a Lego guy with a sword and he's about to fight a bug coming off another piece up, you know, above. And uh, I didn't realize that this stuff, the stuff that I was using, it set up in seven minutes. (laughs) So I didn't have enough and then I mixed a bunch more and I filled it up so there's like a layer there and then it set off before I could even do anything. I didn't realize that I only had seven minutes before it was set up. So it's got it's got fractures and bubbles in it, but it still looks really cool. It it almost looks like this guy is going through like a vortex or a one one of those, you know, those time travel dimension circles or whatever. Yeah, see, that's that's what's so interesting about
1: the art. I'm show. going
0: on a tangent here. I understand. I that. know,
1: I'm trying to I'll, try I'll trying leave to lead you. I'll
0: have to show it to you eventually. I'm going to finish it, but it, you know, it's a failed piece, and I, and and you know, I, some people they don't like to put failed or you know like bad stuff out there. It's, you're trying to put your best foot forward, but I eventually I will finish it, even though it's a fail, a flop of one but it's still gonna look really cool.
1: I know, well, see, I think when you work with your kind of mistakes in general or something that you call a bad piece, when you keep kind of coming back to it, you can turn it into a great one that actually has a story behind it. See, what's interesting about the amount of like resin work that you do and being able to kind of look everyone's going to get a different picture of what you tried to create. You might, it's like looking at a cloud. Nobody ever sees the same thing. You're going to look yeah. at something and you're going to be like, Oh, I meant to design this, like the Northern lights. And then someone else is going to see it and be like, dude, that looks like space or someone's going to yeah. see it. And be like, that looks like my ice cream I had the other day. And then you guys <laughs> just look at that dude, like what the fuck?
0: Yeah. It's all relative. Eh? It's all, it's all, uh, it's so true, but there are, some pieces that didn't it looks like a fail and and then like i'll even i'll even say to my wife i'll say you know uh, i'm not sure about this one i don't want to it's got this flaw it's flawed here and she says look don't call it a flaw it's it's character that that's that's art bob ross said it (laughs) best
1: they're just happy little
0: accidents (laughs) yes and this little happy little accident lives over here and right beside that little tree that guy's awesome
1: see w- all right so with kind of like do you have any ideas or anything that you want to do in the near future maybe branch off into a new style or maybe a new work in general kind of one that you have planned
0: yes yes i i have several i have so many ideas sometimes i can't sleep at night and why uh, so i got to
1: keep a journal it,
0: Yeah, yes i mean i mean these I've got some ideas where I want to do uh, a wall art with resin, and I'm, I'm going to use burl to kind of piece together the North America, South America, like the Western Hemisphere on there. And then I, I want to kind of use the resin to look like uh, the oceans around it. And then I want to put use resin to, to show kind of space beyond the Earth and and have kind of anyway that's an idea that i have that i'm looking forward to getting to and i, I do have um well i've got these ideas i've got this piece uh, showed I haven't finished it where i weave i take strips of of uh ash i've got tons of black ash the beautiful wood and it's used in in uh like ladders and Handles, it's really strong, but it's also got like the, the wood fiber makes it very uh, bendable. So they use it when they steam it and bend it for wheels or, or sleighs. Anyways, I weave it and, and then I cast that in resin. So you can, we've got this wood weaving inside the resin for a tabletop. Uh, it's worked really well, I just haven't finished it. but i have another piece that i made that i sent to a guy down in texas who i really appreciate his Bonehead's corner he's he's an amazing guy um i made a table for him to make a base for because he's a metal worker and we're going to give it we're going to give it away and put uh, give the proceeds to a homeless shelter or something we're going to we're going to give the, the proceeds back you know um so I've got all kinds of ideas. Um, I've got these leaves that I pour. I want to do a series of leaves where I put uh, an oak leaf carved into a piece of oak, and then a maple leaf carved into a piece of maple, and a you know that uh, a walnut leaf, you know, and have a series of of uh, charcuterie boards with the the different leaves carved in with the different colors. So I want to make that series. It's going to be you know a bit of work, but I really want to put that series out. Have you thought um,
1: about branching from making decor or tables just trying to make more of art or symbolic pieces? It seems like you have you're already you're incorporating art really into tables and just common everyday items that someone could have in their home, but it, it seems like you have a bit of a passion or an interest in trying to make symbolic art in a way as well which i think you would strive a lot more
0: towards yes absolutely but i guess part of it comes down to being able to afford that because it's it's difficult to make a living as an artist and uh you know i have a family to support and um i am mainly selling my art pieces you know slowly but uh, What what
1: do you usually get commissioned for
0: Well, I've been commissioned to to make a couple of cubes. Um, I've I've been commissioned to make uh, some some cutting boards. But you have to understand that I've only just recently kind of uh, like more than half. Let's put it this way: back in November, I think it was. In November, I only had about four thousand followers, and I've literally got like uh, most of my followers in the last. Six weeks, and so I, I wasn't getting any commissions, really, uh, to speak of.
1: Is that because you had to build up more of a supply for people to kind of be able to buy from? You only had a few uh, objects.
0: No, it's just kind of like it, it's it's not easy selling stuff on, on on It's not easy selling art. It's a very niche market, especially cubes. I mean, there there is a market for it, but it's very niche. Um, you know, and and, and of course. I have, um, I was very busy in construction and I was just doing it on the side and, you know, I have, you know, other responsibilities. So it's, it's, it limited my time, but I've really said no to a lot of jobs so I can focus on this more. And, and uh, it's been great. I, I'm trying to transition, uh, but it's really not easy. Um, It's kind of like, it's a tough thing when you're you're focusing more on the business aspect of it instead of doing it. Um, it's almost like therapy. And it, it's kind of like, if I, if I make stuff, it's really hard to market. It. I mean, there's shipping is a real problem for me. I, I really struggle with it. Sometimes, I went to ship a little pendant at the post office and they wanted $28 to ship it to the, just across the border to the state.
1: Yeah. And,
0: I, and I'm only charging $50 for it. So it just puts. That's just one aspect of it, the shipping. And then I, I got a website going, and I went through that whole thing of getting a website going. And ninety from ninety percent of sales come from Instagram, not the website.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> like, what's I mean, crazy is you know what really deters people from doing this or turning it into a business is the aspect of it's not the process of making it that is so difficult. It's the process of trying to get it out there as well. I mean, from shipping costs to just being able to kind of turn it into something, you don't want to make it feel like it's going to be a job. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I have to do yeah. this. piece. I have to do that. you rather just work at your own pace and keep it as a fun aspect to it. I mean, that's problems I yeah. had at one point with this podcast. You know, there were people telling me straight up like you need to turn it into a business and do this amount of money and sell this per episode. I'm like, then it's not it's not going to be fun for me. It's not going to be what I want it to be. When you, when you start letting that door in, you let in people to start changing the way you run your show or the way you do your art and you never want that to happen because that's when the fun starts getting taken out of it
0: yeah no you're right you're right and and also it's i mean you've heard time again probably you know do what you love and work never work another day in your life right i mean that's, that's a saying that's pretty old um but yeah it's really tough it's tough and i it's kind of uh you know i know some people i've watched people grow like i've watched this well but just i want to back up a bit and and talk about this for a sec because it interests me like instagram when i first was i have another personal account and then when i first went on it i was like hashtag like let's talk about hashtag for a minute right and i was like selfies and you know kind of putting stuff on instagram was kind of like bragging it's kind of like yeah look at me you know and it's like That is so, like selfies is so opposite to me. Uh, And yet, now I look at it as a marketing tool. And it's, so it's, you know, I I never hashtagged anything. And I'm sure if I did, I, you know, I'd be in a different place, you know, as far as that goes. But um, I just, you know, part of it was, uh, now everybody's filling up the internet with all the, you know, pictures of their breakfast or you know, and and just the whole saturation of, of your life with all these, you know, social media and platforms and this and you know, this chat and everybody's vying for your electronic footprint, you know, and then next thing you know, your your electronic footprint is so big and you've got so many username and passwords. It's ridiculous, right? Yeah, well, see,
1: the, pro- so, the problem is, though, this is a big thing I hit on because, the world is changing. It's changing really fucking fast. Um, yeah, I'm at the, I'm not an, I'm not an older person and I'm not a a super, super young guy either, but I have literally watched it change in my lifetime from where I was at, at like 12 to where I'm at, at 22 In just 10 years, it has developed into a place now where the education system does not fit anymore. Um, people yeah. are not fitting anymore. So many people are now becoming entrepreneurs, being self-owned business owners, being um, creativity a little bit more, but we're lacking in communication because of all, the whole technology. It's just, it's taken off in a completely different market. Back in the day, my grandparents used to say, why the hell are you playing video games? You're never going to get anything with that. You're never going to get a job. You're never going to get that with this. It's not beneficial to your life. Now there's people that are making millions of dollars playing video games. There's people that are on fucking TikTok. Oh my God. I don't even know what that is yet. And I don't want (laughs) to know what that is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You can yeah. get like 2.5 million followers off one TikTok video if it hits right. And like so, it's yeah. like back in the day when – remember when AFV was out, America's Funniest Home Video?
0: Yes, yes, yes. That was yes. the
1: thing that everybody turned to where that's where people got fame. They send in their videotape, a VHS tape. Now yeah, it's some yeah, dude
0: yeah. Into, yeah.
1: or sends a – makes a video on TikTok or something of him eating fucking Raisin Bran, and he's getting followed by everybody in the universe.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's funny because a couple of companies have contacted me and asked to use my content, and I, I did give permission. I was I was nervous and actually a bit paranoid for one or two of them, but one I gave permission, and they have 35 million followers on Facebook, and they created this fantastic video of of of, of my work, and it, it's. They're going to publish it on their platform. They're, it's not published yet. It's, it's waiting in line, you know, to be published. But uh, they sent me a copy of it. I was I was, uh, I was uh, amazed at, at what they made, and they kept their word, you know. So I'm glad
1: they did you right by it, too. Imagine if they would have used it for some, like, commercial or something. Like, do you
0: have problem well, yeah. growing
1: hair? Well, rub this weird cube on your head, and you'll grow some
0: hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, get this. There was some, like some of my work was shared on these viral accounts where, and they didn't get my permission or anything. And they, some of them even put, one guy put my table on his, on his page and put his own company logo on, on the video. So if you need a table, call us, you know, and he's showing my table. See, that's what
1: sucks is then like, what's going to happen when they start going to that person's website and they start clicking on there, like, where's the table at? And then they have to message you. Hey, I need to buy. Yeah. Well,
0: but I. But I had, I even found my table on these weird website platforms that I don't even know. They're like chat rooms in some uh, website or something. I hear all these people, they're chatting about my table and how I didn't pour the epoxy, right? And oh, this, some guy's telling me this is how it's done and everything. And there it was, it was even um, somebody saying, why would you go through all that table? Pouring that liquid on the table and then not join, not joining, leaving that big spot that doesn't have any. But they don't know the process. This is like a minute video, in like a table that took me off and on about six months to make. Right. So it's just, it's funny. Also, there was a guy that really came down hard on me about using plastic, and he said, "You're because the resin is liquid plastic, right?" And and he said. Uh, yeah, but I recycle. So, yeah, it's a, yeah. But he was saying, uh, you know, you're, you're teaching kids how to use. We've got a plastic problem in our world, and, and and he started really coming down on me. And then, so I had to block him, right? So I blocked him. So he came back at me again with another fate, another account behind another account that he created. Started in on me again.
1: Well, all and right, I, Hold on. You know, I, I want to, I, I want to touch on that because that's not something that you are getting alone either there is so many people out there that are either jealous or either just in spite whatever that are trying to go after people because they they there's something about that there's just that that need for that yeah. violence you know it's why yeah. real, it's why reality television was so fucking popular the whole reason you watched jersey shores cuz you wanted to watch a bunch of people fight that was it that's all you care
0: yeah, you yeah. yeah like a
1: slow train wreck right yeah and yeah.
0: Well, it,
1: it, it happens man see the thing is though you don't want to ever let that deter you from doing art i mean i think at all points someone has faced in their life somebody that has told them oh it's crap or has picked on them has gone after them and it throws you in a headspace too and it's hard to get yourself out of that space you got to love your work man i mean it's amazing yeah. stuff dude i'll tell you over and over and over again you know yeah. i mean you really know you made it as an artist when your table is used in a porn when fucking ron jeremy comes out and is banging a girl on your table that's when you know that life is complete
0: oh uh, anyways the the um the, the he actually made me think about the, like i I've, I've been thinking of creative ways to to minimize or reuse some of my waste and you know I, he did get me thinking but um you know, it's it's funny because getting back to the Instagram thing, um, you know, these, these Instagram and stuff, they've designed it to be addictive, you know, it's, it's, um, it can carry you away. It yeah, can, well, it can, half the time be... you're
1: scrolling, you don't even know what you're, you don't even remember what you're scrolling at. You just keep scrolling. Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, or, or you know, there's this message. If you get notifications, it's like, oh, so and so, you know, the confident commented on so and so's post, and they, they want you to log in and start looking. I mean, it's there are people that have designed it to be to kind of hook into people's addictive characteristics, right? Which you know, that's that that's what happens. So that you know, my my nephew, he's recognized that, and he's got a flip phone now. He doesn't have. He deleted all his accounts uh you know he, he's got a, a computer at home that he logs on in the evening but other than that he doesn't have a, a regular cell phone anymore um but anyways uh, yeah I struggle with it too because I I'm kind of one of these more of a introvert at some points and then an extrovert at some points uh, you know and and I like to be private but then I like to put myself out there so you can't It's like you can't be private if you're going to put yourself out there.
1: You're like the Britney Spears of Instagram. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) You have these great moments, and then you freak out, and then you come back, and everybody's like, what's going on?
0: (laughs) Uh, No, it's funny, because uh, I was just looking at your out of the blank. You know, some of what I've made, I've, I've, I've had orders to make blanks for people, and they turn shifting knobs or or uh, you know duck calls or whatever they're called blank right so I, I thought your podcast was pretty fitting because it says out of the blank that's weird so, that's the first
1: time I've ever gotten that one for that usually like really? I, I ask people what does out of the blank mean and they always like one person's like I thought you were a gun page I'm like what do you mean gun page like a <laughs> like a blank yeah, yeah. I'm like oh shit I didn't even think of that and then I always just say it's out of the blank because it's out of nothing. You never know where it's going to go.
0: Yeah, well, that's and that's great, and I I appreciated it in the in the podcast. I I heard about the the, the moose jerky guy that, the, um, you know, I could totally relate to a lot of what he was saying there. But I, I liked how you uh, you touched on where we came from, or you know, where we're going afterwards, um, but. Yeah, I sometimes I would ask people, like, would you still be a photographer if Instagram wasn't around? Yeah. You know, uh, it, you, you've really got to, and people trying to figure out the algorithm, you know, like, you know, it's like, just do what you love, put yourself out there and, and you know, see where it goes, like you say
1: there's also a lot of things like with technology becoming so advanced and we're living in this social kind of world we're really really disconnected as people my whole point of you know just inviting people and having conversations was trying to show people that not everybody is as you know whatever out for themselves or doing something like this we have the capability of having conversations um when you look at instagram hashtags any of these types of things when you start hashtagging anything, the most interesting part about it is the fact that you'll get people that are also interested in that same thing that choose to follow you and also comment on some of your work. I mean... yeah. When it comes to more of a community craft, it seems like everybody thought, oh, sports or something like that is going to be a community aspect, but you're seeing it in so many different things now. People that hashtag painter, people that hashtag artist, people that hashtag woodmaker, you're getting followed by fellow people from that same niche group that enjoys that. And then you're, you're creating a better environment as well, because a lot of those people are that you find that you know know how long it takes to make a table know how hard it is to create a work of art they start going off and saying dude really awesome work I've seen some really good stuff on there and I've seen some really bad stuff on there but when it comes to art it's all in the eye of the beholder so Amen. you're getting you're getting so many people that are just positive in general just saying keep it up man love the work you know and that's support. yeah we need because that's where communication needs to stay. We need to be connected as people and understand that if I say something to this person, how is it going to affect them? Is it going to be good to them? Is it going to be bad to them? You know, just because you're having a shitty day doesn't mean it needs to come out on somebody else.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You just never know what kind of a day someone's had. So if they start bashing your work, it's, it's either maybe you're doing something right, or they've had a bad day, or.
1: Hey, you never know. Maybe one day on Instagram, some person might comment or message you with a podcast called Out of the Blank where it's about starter pistols. You know, it could happen.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, no doubt, no doubt.
1: Well, Derry, I really appreciate you coming out and doing the podcast, man. I want to give you here a minute at the end to kind of promote your content too so people can find your work, first of all, how you make fucking Tesla racks. I don't understand I mean, unless you're Iron Man and it honestly, if I get into a, an accident or something and I need to get like, a uh, one of those, uh, what do you call it? The prosthetics. A or I, oh, guess, prosthetic, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, a memento from a car crash is probably like a lug nut in like the throat or something. But I mean, if I need a, you know, a prosthetic or something like a robotic hand at some point in my life, well, you know what? You're damn right? I'm turning to you to get that thing, turning into the Northern lights. You got it, man. You got it. Well we can we can definitely do that for you. I'll definitely have to commission a podcast logo. That would be so sick to get that in. I have a nice uh I, I, I people say it's birch I say it's maple because it feels like a maple I have a maple table that I'm literally stroking my hands on very very awkwardly but i mean it's it's it brings characteristic into it too like I have people that have spilled coffee onto it i have people that have spilled so much things onto that and i'm like those are now memories into my table like every time i look at it i think of that moment when I first started the podcast to where I'm at now
0: talking with you yeah well embrace it eh it's like it's uh look for the positive in it for sure. It's character. Damn it. That's right. That's right. It's, not a, it's, it's, it's art. Exactly.
1: Well, Derry, why, yeah. why don't you tell everybody where they can find your awesome work, man?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, you can absolutely find me on Instagram at Derry underscore woodworking. Um, that's probably the best place to contact me or, or, you know, uh, connect with me. I do have a website there on the link uh on my bio there, but uh I'm not really on Facebook hardly at all. And uh Instagram is the best place to find me, so I'm on I'm on there. Check it
1: out. Well, Derry, do you want to sign us off?
0: Yes, yeah, sure. It has been a slice and we've come from out of the blank and into the wild yonder. So thanks for listening